This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and with me in studio is Bishop Peter Smith. And today we're going to talk about ecumenism and evangelization and whatever else seems to come up in in that context, Bishop. So thank you again for joining us and welcome back to the program. Thank you, Dina Marie. Greetings to you and to all those who are listening and will be listening in whatever way you you choose to do so going forward. It's great to be with you again and to share more about our life of faith as Catholics. We have such an incredible treasure of riches as Catholics that it's good to dig into that treasure and just see what we have. Absolutely. Well, the commission, Christ's commission, is to go, right? Go forth. We hear that at the close of Mass. Go forth and proclaim the good news. Preach the good news to all the nations. So how do we approach that? How do we approach sharing our faith? How do we approach evangelization? Or we hear about ecumenism, a way that we work together with other faith-based groups. Maybe just first identify what do these words mean in our Catholic context of ecumenism, evangelization, and what's our mission as just a person in the pew? I'm a faithful Catholic. How do I share the gospel properly? (laughs) Is there a way? Okay, that's uh, that's about five parts to that. So let's <laughs> right. start. Uh, you started with the, uh, the the commission of Jesus. At the end, he says, "Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." That's one of the two commands that Jesus gives regarding sacraments. Uh, Abba Jeremy brought this out in our retreat last week. The other one is, "Do this in memory of me, or mm. remembrance of me at the Last Supper." So our baptism, we baptize based on that, but we make disciples, and that goes to the end of Mass when we give that dismissal. Now, when we hear the word dismiss, we think of you're fired, mm. but miss, the, the Mass comes from Missa, and that kind of was the root word of mission. Mm. So we are sent forth in mission. So when the Mass is concluding, it's not like, okay, we're done, we can go home now. It's like we give the final blessing and we are sent out on mission to live out and practice what we believe and worship in this place. It's a, it's a very much, okay, we're gathered here together. Um, it's like soldiers before a battle or a team before a game. And we celebrate mass. Now we go out onto the battlefield. Now we go out onto the construction ground. Now we go out onto the sports field and we're gonna play. Now we're gonna act. So that's the sense that comes at the end of Mass. Mm. So for us as Catholics, we are called to evangelize. 
And that's the word, the truth of the faith, to bring the truth of the faith to others. Now, when we hear the word of evangelize or evangelism, we often think of street corner preachers. Mm -hmm. That is one way to do it. Um, I would simply say that one would need to be really sure that that's what God wants you to do before you do that. because we don't want to force the gospel on people, but mm-hmm. we want to proclaim the gospel or expose them to the gospel mm-hmm. rather than impose the gospel on them. You know, we, we can't be in this convert or else because mm-hmm. God doesn't want us to follow him as mindless zombies or robots. He wants us to follow him out of love, friendship, and affection and a desire to do so because he's given us free will and the Lord doesn't override our free will. We love that free will for ourselves, not so much for others Mm -hmm. when we think we have a better idea. So the content, so what is the content of the message of evangelism? Uh, There's all kinds of fancy words, kerygma and so on. But essentially it comes down to two general things. One is telling others about Jesus because Jesus is the fundamental turning point. Uh, Jesus' incarnation Life, death, resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost is the decisive turning point of human history. And without that, we have nothing. So Jesus' command to go forth and proclaim the gospel, that's the good news. So it's to tell others about Jesus and all that Jesus holds out to us. And the second point aspect of it is to, to bring Christ's point of view into every environment. And sometimes we do that directly and sometimes we do that indirectly. So we, mm-hmm. we can use our Catholic or Christian values to modify certain situ- situations that better reflect, say, the Beatitudes and the life of the gospel. So there are many ways in which we evangelize. One of the most effective ways we do it today in the past, there was the Life in the Spirit seminars many years ago. Alpha is one way today mm-hmm. that's terrific. Uh, the Acts retreats that are out there, uh, I know some of our parishes use that. That's another way, Casio, uh, Catholic Charismatic Renewal, other movements that have what Pope Francis talks about all the time and Archbishop Sample talks about is that encounter with Jesus. And it's not just a one-time experience, as Archbishop Sample points out very clearly and often, this is a, a life-giving, ongoing, transformative encounter with Jesus that goes on. And through Christ, we come to know the Father and receive the Holy Spirit, and we go forth not individually, but through our baptism. We become sons and daughters of God our Father, brothers and sisters of Jesus, brothers and sisters of all those who are brothers and sisters of Jesus, part of the great family of faith. And we're baptized into Jesus' life and mission. And we go forth in the mission of the church that way. So that's how you look at evangelizing in a general sense. People think that we have to, there's the other word that you mentioned earlier, proselytism. That's different. When Mm -hmm. you hear that word, proselytism isn't proclaiming Jesus the technical meaning is I want to win you over to my side. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to argue or give you all these intellectual arguments and everything to convince you to change your position and come and join me. 
And there are some Christian churches and some Catholics, actually, that adopt that approach where it's all about um, trying to convince you through whatever means they do to join them. So you can say, you know, I'm a Democrat and I'm going to convince you as a Republican to join me as a Democrat. That's kind of what we mean in a spiritual sense Mm -hmm. of proselytism rather than why don't we just help one another encounter God and let God invite people to follow. And if the danger in that for us is that we don't control God, and God may go about doing these things in a different way than we would like. Mm-hmm. If we have a problem with that, I would just raise the question is, you know, who's the creature and who's the creator, and where's our humility mm-hmm. in those moments? Because God does things that confound us, and only later do we begin to see, oh, this is the Lord's love and care in those situations. Some of these other things that come out will come out over time as that the journey of faith with an individual begins. Because think about it in terms of uh, when you're dating somebody with a view to being open to marrying them. You don't start that dating relationship by saying, here are the rules we're going to live by when we're married. (laughs) I mean, if any of us was on a date and the other person said on the first date, what's going through my mind at that moment is, get me out of here. (laughs) Exit strategy. What am I going to do? This this guy or this gal are crazy. But as you date one another and you develop that relationship, then when you start getting serious about getting married or getting engaged, then you start that conversation. And the same thing's true in the life of faith. It's a relationship that we encounter Jesus. We help them encounter Jesus or our the Lord, the, our life of faith in the Lord in us is exposed to them. And as that goes and develops, then at some point down the road, they may say, you know, I think the Lord's calling me to be a Catholic. Then you can start dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And there's a wonderful uh, account in one of Paul's writings where he said, always be ready to account for our hope. So if we live our lives of faith, not in an in, in in, in your face sense, but just calmly, quietly, just be who we are, in a sense, Christ is exposed in us to mm-hmm. them. And believe me, if you do that, it produces a response in people. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. It's mm-hmm. like Mother Teresa when she was alive. People were drawn to her like moths to a flame. Most of them because, because what they saw in her was holiness. And there's something of the divine there, and people are drawn to that, whether they liked her or didn't like her. Mm-hmm. And that's when you... People ask you, how is it that you can be so calm in the midst of this? How is it that you, you have this sort of inner peace and calm in the midst of COVID? How? Mm-hmm. And then you, then, then you can say, well, you know, I, I'm a Catholic and this is my faith. And yes, I know this is dangerous, but death isn't the end. And I'm not going to let this stop me living life and doing good and being a light in the world. You know, that's the thing that really evangelizes people much more so than trying to argue them into a corner mm-hmm. that my way of doing things is best. Right. And that's the difference that comes into the whole evangelism versus proselytism. So what Pope Francis is trying to do when he's this outward push is it's, it's effectively what it comes down to. Be Catholics. Live your lives as Catholics by faith in the world and let people see that. 
And when people ask that question, you treat them as brothers and sisters. If they're other Christians, in a very particular way, they're brothers and sisters. And then you go from there. Mm-hmm. Shifting gears. Right. You also raised the, the E word, ecumenism. Yeah. <laughs> so there's two areas here. So we talk about uh, interfaith dialogue and ecumenism. Mm-hmm. So as Catholics, we make that distinction. Most Christian churches do not. So interfaith or interreligious dialogue is between Catholics and and other faiths that are not Christian. So that would be with Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, and so on, because we do not have a common understanding of faith that we can fall back on or a common notion of the Trinity and so on. So that's interfaith dialogue. And that dialogue, if you talk to the people that are involved in it, is anything from let's have a conversation so we stop their people from killing our people, which is pretty much Mm -hmm. what happens in some cases, to we have good relationships, let's try and understand one another better and find ways in which we can cooperate. Ecumenism is relationships between Christians. When we say Christians, we mean effectively people who believe in the fundamental uh, aspects of our faith, the Trinity, divinity of Jesus, Scripture is the inspired Word of God, and those kinds of things. So we have a tremendous amount in common, much more than people think, even though we may um, believe, practice, and worship a little differently Mm -hmm. to varying degrees. So you have all that in common. So that's ecumenism where you are working with other Christians trying to grow an understanding. And that's where uh, I've been doing a lot of work um, in different aspects. So I'm on the Bishop's Committee for Ecumenism and Interreligious Affairs for the U.S. Bishops Conference. So I work with that. That's more with sort of mainline churches and theological dialogues. So that's what happens there. So in ecumenism, you have two general levels. There's the theological dialogue where you work out doctrinal issues. And as Pope Francis pointed out, we're going to finally resolve that, you know, about about a week after Jesus comes right. again in glory. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll have all that sorted out. <laughs> but there's another aspect of uh, uh, ecumenism, which is grassroots ecumenism or relational ecumenism. And this was something that Pope Benedict started to talk about a little uh, before he resigned, and Pope Francis has really picked this up. As Pope Francis said, we should put all the— uh, all the theologians on an island somewhere and let them argue about it. Meanwhile, the rest of us who are different faiths, let's just live life together and get to know one another and develop relations with one another. So we develop these relationships to the degree that we can based on our faith commitments. So it's on the local level. So we we as Catholics are working together with these Protestants here or there and so on. So that's the other realm of where I've been much more involved in ecumenical work. I work with a group called Gathering in the Holy Spirit, which has set up a, the the focus was developing relationships between Catholics involved in the renewal and what at that point were called non-denominational charismatics. Now they call themselves the new charismatic churches. So the approach to that and these other things is, let's get to know one another as brothers and sisters and fellow Christians, because then it is a lot, lot harder 
to just dismiss somebody because they don't believe the same as you on something. As one, uh, one of those leaders said to me, you know, I know how the Lord works in my life, and I see the Lord working in your life in a very much similar way. That means that somehow we must be connected. Mm-hmm. So I want to get to know you better. So that's the sort of the, the way that you want to approach that is developing those relationships and see what we can do from the grassroots level. So that's the one group I'm working with, and the other one is John 17, the John 17 movement, um, which is developing unity between Catholics and evangelicals and Pentecostals. And it's as much about developing unity amongst them as it is with us as Catholics developing unity with them. That group has been wonderful. It's ironic. I've got to meet Pope Francis in ways that I almost never would as a Catholic bishop. Mm. But with this group, I've got to have some some meetings with him with with elements of this group that are just amazing. So those are ways in which – but those are what we would call relational grassroots Mm -hmm. and – we work together and pray together, and that's something every Catholic and every Christian can do. Right, right. And I think about Bishop Smith that in a lot of our families, we've got Catholics, non-Catholics. We've got Catholic converts, and so we come together at different gatherings. We just came through Christmas and New Year's, and and there can be some conflict whether we have these— and we're all Christian— or maybe we've got some that are not Christian, but just thinking about those, to better approach those conversations, not in a you versus me or you against me, but but to do more of what you're talking about. We do have a commonality. So instead of judging who's better, that maybe we need to recognize God's presence and, and develop those relationships because they can cause such dissension within our own families. St. Augustine had a wonderful little statement. He said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, diversity, in all things, charity. Mm. And in dealing with those relationships, we can't control other people. Mm-hmm. We like to think that we can, but we, if you're, you're married, you know you can't control right. other people. <laughs> I live in community. I can't control other mm-hmm. people. Sometimes I can't control myself, you know, so... It's one of those things where in those situations, in all things, charity. We can't control others, but we can say people are going to do what they're going to do and decide what they're going to decide. But if we're gathering here and we're doing it this way, all right, let's do that charitably with one another. And it may be that we know that we differ on certain things, so let's not go there. Mm -hmm. You you may have in this – incredibly divisive time in our society, you know, one thing we may know is don't talk politics. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear stories of people who have been disinvited to uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving gatherings because they, they believe politically different from others. That, you look at that and say, wow. So your, your political beliefs are more important than this relationship. You know, when you come to the end of your life, I hope you have enough people with your political beliefs that are willing to be there for you. Politics will pass away. The Lord doesn't. You know, so in, in those situations, part of it is if you're the host, this is, you know, my house, my rules. But mm-hmm. in the same way, I can also be sure to say, okay, being the host, 
I know I'll get a reaction from them if I ram this down their throats. So there's a way in which we as Catholics can be Catholics. People know that. You know, people know where we stand in these things. So why start a fight again at that moment? But, you know, sometimes people just can't resist the jab, can't resist putting the knife in and so on. And It's like, really? Is that what you want? Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of it is just focusing on the relationship. Relationship is more important than ideas. Right. That's one of the dictums that Pope Francis has coming from his Jesuit heritage. Mm -hmm. So people are more important than ideas because you build that relationship and then together— you you journey together, and you know if you're married and you're living marriage well, that's very much part of it. Uh, living community life is the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You build those relationships, but we can't control others. And if they're going to be uncharitable and unkind to us and mean, at least make it make them do that over your charity to them, rather than a tit for tat thing when you're tre- treating them the same way. Yeah. In this month of January, I know traditionally, and it's been for many, many years, this prayer for Christian unity. And I believe it closes, is it on the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul, uh, January 25th? And so there's this time of Christian prayer, but just this sense of in the church, we do have this time of real concentrated prayer for what you're talking about, Christian unity. That would be news to a lot of Catholics. Yeah. Because it kind of (laughs) falls by the wayside. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, part of what's happened, and it's been a wonderful thing to see in our Catholic faith, is that in recent decade or two is this recovery of our identity as Catholics. And that, again, goes to part of what's going on in our culture when we're moving from a Christendom society to a society of apostolic mission. So in a Christendom society, you have a society whereby Christian values or Catholic values are shot through in culture, in law, and all these things. Philosophy, it's all there in the background of our society. So you can live a life of faith quite comfortably with all these supports to mm-hmm. that. And the way you run church in those, that realm is, is different because you're dealing with organization, structure, these kinds of things, catechetics, all that. So you're there. Now, having said that, the decline in catechetics is an example of what's happened as culture has left the Christendom age. And now you go to a culture where we find ourselves where there's, very, there's fewer and fewer elements of Judeo-Christian heritage in any of those elements in society. And you see that in some of the decisions that we're making in society euthanasia, all these other kinds of things, abortion on demand. You see that there, and we're moving into a realm where we are in a post-Christian era, and in that era, the church has to be evangelistic and be a living witness of faith and be the shining light of the community that we talk about in the scriptures. So we're shifting gears, and part of some of the challenges we're facing in the church and with one another is uh, some people don't want to shift gears. Some do. What's that going to look like? You know, some people want the so-called Benedict option, which is Saint Benedict, not Pope Benedict, mm-hmm. which is withdraw to a safe haven. Others want something like a Patrick option, Saint Patrick, who was abducted by the pagan Irish, escaped, and was 
converted and then went back and converted the Irish. So in that sense, you're sort of looking at looking at all all this realm. So you have this wonderful development, uh, and you see it in some of our colleges and so on of Catholic identity. But that becomes a little bit of a challenge because we now, when you become a minority and you feel like you're being oppressed, you then hold on to your identity more fully. And I'll say this as an immigrant to this country. When I came to this country, when you're an immigrant to something else, it's like you ripped out of a tapestry and you put there, try to graft you onto a new one, and you've lost this entire background of everything that gave meaning to your life. And so then there are certain things that you cling to or develop attachment to you never had before. The Irish, St. Patrick's Day in the United States, huge in Ireland, just another Saints Day celebration. And for us as Catholics, the, the, the development of our growth and our understanding of faith is a good thing, but we can't let that then get to the point where we deny charity to other Christians um, because as we would claim, we have the deposit of the faith. Mm-hmm. But to the degree that they believe, as we do, we are brothers and sisters. And if we're baptized, we are brothers and sisters, right. though we may believe, practice, and worship a little differently. Right. So in all things charity, I think out of everything that we've talked about, because so much discernment and prayer needs to go with these dialogues, these conversations, or even should I have a conversation? Maybe I need to take that first to prayer. So prudence and all of those virtues. Our human relationships are great analogies for all of this because you think about our human This is how we are as humans. And in the area of faith, let's relate to one another that way. Or at least the good ways we relate to one another as humans, not flame wars on social media. Right, right. Well, again, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Bishop Smith, and really helping us to focus on evangelization. And I hope through the through the spirit of St. Paul, we will continue to share along with charity. As we close, would you please close with a blessing, please? Certainly. Let us pray. Lord, as we go forth from here, we ask that you would continue to bless us as we reflect on the mission to make disciples of all nations and evangelize. We ask that you would deepen our relationships with you of relationships of love, friendship, and affection. Lord, make us your lights. Make us your witnesses to a world around us that so desperately needs it, to people around us who so desperately need you. Fill us more and more with your Holy Spirit and guide us, Lord, that we may be witnesses of your charity. And we ask this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And thank you all for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale, and until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. 
you can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.